0: In today's worship service, today was supposed to be the Youth Mexico Mission Trip sharing service, and obviously that's not happening today as the Youth Mexico Mission Trip did not happen. But as a part of the Youth Mexico Mission Trip, it's really important to prepare ourselves in a spiritual way, a physical way, and a cultural way for that experience because it's a very powerful experience. It's a life-changing experience. And not just prepare, but also reflect in the moment of being there, And then upon further reflection to debrief that experience. So we use a theme and we use controlling scripture ideas to help with that part of the process. And every year we have a new theme as we go on the Youth Mexico mission trip. And so as the pastors and the worship team here at the church were trying to figure out what we were going to do for the next week for worship, we said, well, let's just keep this theme because the theme for the Mexico mission trip was a great theme and a great text and it will speak to us today as well. So the theme for the Youth Mexico mission trip this year was Take Courage, and it comes from John chapter 16, verses 33. It's a great word. I'm going to read to us a little bit more of the context of John chapter 16, because verse 33 begins by saying, and I say all these things to you. So I figured I should say a little bit more about what it is that Jesus is saying so you have some more context for the whole of the story. So wherever you may be this day, I invite you to open up a Bible, So open up Bible Gateway on your phone app or wherever you may be and follow along as you hear these words from Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 25 through 33. Listen to God's word to you today. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but will tell you plainly of the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world again. I am leaving the world and am going to the Father. His disciples said, Yes, now you are speaking plainly, not in any figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need to have anyone question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? The hour is coming. Indeed, it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. This is the gift of God's word. Join me in a word of prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's sort of interesting to transition from one week in Mark's gospel to John's gospel in the next week, Mark's gospel, the Jesus we meet is all about action and the way in which he teaches his disciples is about what he does and how he lives, his healing stories, all these kind of incredible miraculous accounts that take place in Mark's gospel. And in John's gospel, we're introduced to the way in which Jesus teaches, but it's not so much by action, but by words. Jesus loves to talk in John's gospel and teach and speak plainly to them, to his disciples, to those whom the Father loves and who are with Jesus. It's also curious to read this passage right now as well because in John's gospel, these are those perilous moments after the Last Supper, after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet on Monday Thursday. And in just a few chapters, Jesus will be arrested, and then Jesus will face execution by the state. It's this liminal space between this beautiful Last Supper with his disciples and when he gets to be arrested and handed over to Pilate very, very soon. And in John's gospel, there's this expansive space of a three chapters or so where Jesus teaches his disciples about all sorts of things, And that's the context in which we hear John 16, 33. It's in a time of tribulation. It's in a time of worry and concern. Jesus knows what's coming next, but his disciples don't quite know what's coming next. And you can feel the tension in the story. That's why Jesus is teaching them about this and sharing this information with them, saying to them, take courage. I have overcome the world. He is he is meeting them in that moment of tribulation and what is about to happen when they will be scattered into their homes and he'll be left alone. One of the things I realized this past week is that I am really missing sports. (laughs) Every time I look at my phone, there's nothing fun to look at on my phone anymore. So I find myself not looking at my phone that much anymore. I'm eager to see what happened at the Masters this past week, or I'm eager to see what happened at Wimbledon, or European soccer or the Golden State Warriors. Maybe they were gonna make a turnaround and actually make it into the playoffs somehow. Probably not, but that's like, I just miss that so much. In 2014, my wife and I were season ticket holders of the Seattle Sounders Major League Soccer team. And we went to all the home matches that year and it was so much fun to go to those games. We had those tickets for many years and got them in the first season, and they were really inexpensive, but they're only nine rows off the field. So it was so close to the action in those games. It was so much fun. The very last match of the season was against the Los Angeles Galaxy in 2014. And at that time, the Seattle Sounders were number two in the league, and LA Galaxy was number one in the league. So if the Sounders won that match, they were gonna win the league. If the Galaxy won or if they tied, then they would win the league that year. They'd win what's called the supporter Shield in Major League Soccer. So as you can imagine, everything was on the line in this one game, and there were 65,000 people in the stadium. And soccer, unlike any other sport, at least this is my opinion, there's incredible drama and tension that builds because you hang on every moment of the game. It's like, if this happens, then this happens. You know, other sports like basketball, there's so much scoring that takes place that sometimes it feels innocuous. But in soccer, if you make a mistake, that could cost the whole game. And in this game, everything was riding on the line. In the first 80 minutes, it was scoreless, it was 0-0. And you could feel the tension just building in the stadium, like anxious energy everywhere. If it keeps going 0-0, you're gonna tie the game but lose the shield to your rival. And everybody had all this tension building. And then finally, this breakthrough happened. The sounders scored a goal, and everybody went wild. People were jumping up and down, hugging strangers, crying in each other's arms, like they did it. They scored the goal. We're going to win this thing. And then they scored another goal, and it was over. There was like popcorn flying in the air, and people were having so much fun and, and dancing and singing and holding each other. It was, it was the most bizarre experience of euphoria I've ever seen in my life, though I wasn't playing on that field that day you could still feel the energy, the reality of what just took place, that this team you love scored two goals, they won the supporter Shield, and it felt like we won the supporter Shield too, everybody that was in the stadium. And in fact, the players like jumped into the stands and they shared the shield with us and we all got to take photos with them, it was fun. Um, but it was a powerful experience of this thing that happened in front of us. I didn't play that game, but my heart was in it. I felt connected to what was taking place on the field in front of me. I felt like a victory. that wasn't mine, but we all shared in that victory together that day and what it meant to win the Supporters' Shield on that day in October of 2014. One of the things I've been thinking about, too, in the past few weeks, and I've been speaking about with staff and other people, is the importance right now to be mindful of mental health in our world and our own mental health. In the midst of this shelter-in-place, Many of the activities that we have been able to do to cope with persecution, to to cope with tribulation, the things that are hard in our life, have been, we've been asked to not do those things anymore, like exercise or go running or do these different types of things, or we have to contain ourselves within a certain parameters. And I think it's led to certain kind of realities where every once in a while, anxiety can overwhelm us and then we come back out and we feel good, but a lot of times there's a lot of anxiety. We go out into the world and we feel a lot of anxiety. And so there's two particular things about mental health that I wanna share today that are very practical, and then I think the scripture can speak directly into both of these realities for all of us today. One is that I remember reading a study many years ago that said that um, neuroscientists tried to isolate uh, three different approaches to treating the symptoms of severe depression. They isolated out exercise on the one hand, and then talk therapy, and then they also isolated for psychotherapeutics. And so they looked at these controlled variables and different groups as they studied them about which was the best to treat the symptoms of depression. And actually they found that exercise, taking a two-mile walk every day, treated the symptoms for severe depression better than taking antidepressants by itself which I thought was fascinating. If you do all three combined together, it helps treat the symptoms of depression so much. It's like up to 95%. So you can cope with whatever feelings you may have, that anxiety you feel. And it just spoke a lot to me. So all those ways in which we maybe used to be physically active, like playing sports, being with other people in community like that, we may not have access to those things, Yeah, it's critical to find ways to be physically active still, to take short walks in the neighborhood, to feel healthy and to feel well in this time where there's a lot of anxiety in our midst. There's a lot of anxiety in our midst. The other thing from a mental health perspective that I want to share, too, is that there's a lot of research done about um, mental health as it pertains to when bad things happen to us. Let me try to give an example. So, And this is just a purely like chemical thing that happens in our brains. But say you eat an apple, and it's rotten, and it makes you sick. Your brain responds to it with giving it signals, saying that, like, well, if it got sick this one time, that means you're going to get sick again, so don't eat any more apples. You kind of create this bias in your brain against apples from that point on to not eat them ever again. And neuroscientists say that it means that you need to eat at least five more apples that don't make you sick just to get back to neutral. It's not a one-to-one ratio. They also say this is true in our brain chemistry as it pertains to our relationships. So if you're in a marriage or a friendship and somebody hurts you or harms you, you need to have five more positive experiences with that person to go back to neutral, not just one positive experience. This is a really profound part of mental health, I think. And especially in this time and in our life where for the past six weeks, we have been conditioned ourselves to be distanced from one another, to be anxious and worried about what other people may be hosting in them. And we haven't hugged them, we haven't cared for them. And so I think this raises a lot of complications for us about what moving forward looks like. And it's, if we've been doing this for six weeks, it might take five times that to get back to where we were in January when we felt normal about hugging each other or holding hands with each other or smiling at each other because now we're mandated to wear masks in public. There's gonna be some tribulation, some persecution as Jesus says in the Gospel of John. And this brings me back to Jesus and Jesus's words because I think they speak directly into these realities about mental health In John chapter 16, verses 33, Jesus says to his disciples, I say all these things to you so that you may have peace in this world. You will face persecution. Some translations say tribulation. Jesus doesn't say, if you're my disciple or my follower, you you don't get to have persecution or tribulation. He says, no, that's gonna happen. There's gonna be hardship in your life. There's gonna be persecution. That's true. But then he says, Take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, overcome the world is a bit of Christianese, so to speak, and that we like to use this language and talk about Jesus overcoming the world. The word overcome in the Greek, the root word is Nike. Nike. You all know this word. It's the biggest sports brand in the world, Nike. Nike means victory. It means victory. So... When I think about Jesus overcoming the world, I sometimes imagine that Seattle Sounders soccer match where a victory took place in front of me. I participate in it, but I experienced it nonetheless, and it became a part of me. And so in John's gospel, this is exactly what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Even though this takes place in the midst of Monday Thursday, Really, this is an Easter message that Jesus is sharing with them. Jesus is preparing them for the next few days. And then when Easter happens, they know this all the more because Jesus died, as that previous song we heard, light of the world was snuffed out by darkness. And then he overcomes this. He overcomes the darkness and is raised to new life. He's raised from the dead. He's overcome the world. A victory has happened in Jesus. It's a profound victory and it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus is saying, you, my disciples, you who are my disciples, you are the ones who get to share in this victory. You yourselves may not be raised from the dead at this moment, but you can share in this victory over the grave, share in this victory over the tomb. And I want that to fuse your life so that you can have courage to face what you need to face. And as you said, people would be scattered to their own homes. But have peace. You're not alone. God is with you. And to share in my victory, to share in the status of my resurrection. And Jesus says this to people so that they might have the courage to face those hard things, so that they might be able to step out and do those things that require five good interactions just to get back to mutual. So I think these words from Jesus can be profoundly life-giving and good news for all of us in this season of shelter-in-place. This past week, I was um, reading some books with my daughter. And my daughter and I love reading books together. I'm sure parents out there that have two-year-olds know all about reading good books for their children. And a few weeks ago, I was uh, took a week off during the mexico mission going on the trip, and while I was at home that week, I built a new big kid bed for my daughter. It's a full-size bed so that she could crawl into it and not be in her crib anymore and transition into that bed. And this past week, while we're reading this book together, the name of the book is called Big Kid Bed, and we're reading this book together, and it shares the whole narrative arc of transitioning to big kid beds. It has mommy and daddy sleeping in their bed. as cat sleeping in their bed and the dog sleeping in their bed and I began to realize as we were reading this book together and she was sitting on my lap that something profound was happening as a part of her own human development that she began to realize that this wasn't just images and words on a book but this was really her life and this is what was happening in her life and as we read this book ten times over the past week then she began to see her own transition into that space and she started to sleep and feel comfortable and safe there as we read this story together. And then the amazing thing is she started to recite the words of the book without the book even in front of her and it kind of blew me away. And as I heard her saying these things, I thought, this is the point of the scripture. This is the point of the scripture. That it might become like as people say, art interpreting life, life interpreting art, like these words inside the pages are not meant to be simply an academic study of John 16:33, but they're meant to speak directly into our life if we weave them in to our life and who we are and we allow them to speak to us in this manner and speak to us in this way of, of when we face persecution, to take courage. Jesus' victory is shared amongst his disciples, his followers, God the Father is in Jesus, so as we are in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are good words for us. These are good news for us. As a conclusion to this sermon today, I actually wanna borrow something from Ian Hamilton. When Ian Hamilton was at Great Getaway as our guest speaker, he did this practice at Great Getaway that people love. And so I want to do this now as a conclusion to the sermon. What Ian did was that he had written down different scriptures on pieces of paper, and then he invited people to whisper those scriptures to people in their ear as they might close their eyes and imagine God speaking to them through that person next to them. And so I want to read to you John 16, a few times. And as I do this, I invite you to close your eyes wherever you are and just listen to John 16:33. And as you listen to it, pay attention to the words and pay attention into your own spirit and your own soul about how God might be speaking to you in this moment from John 16, 33. So listen now one more time, and then I will close us in a word of prayer. Listen to God speaking to you. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you face persecution, but take courage, I have victory over the grave, I have said this to you, so that in me you may have peace, in the world you face tribulation, but take courage, I have conquered the world." Join me in a word of God, may the victory that took place in Jesus Christ being raised from the dead be our victory. And may that encourage us to face the tribulations we have right now, to be healthy and to be well in the midst of our lives. And to know that the Father is in Jesus just as we are in them both and in the Spirit. So, Lord, encourage us in this difficult time, in this season of life. Go before us, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.